Hopefully my voice will hold out today. It's a little scratchy. Uh, Don Rickles. Chris Rock. Rodney Dangerfield. Groucho Marx. You may have heard of some of these people. The list goes on and on. These individuals, along with a number of others, are known as insult comics. Their routines and their onstage personas are based on calling other people names, arguing with others, and mocking them. The British comedy troupe Monty Python is also known for their sarcastic way of looking at the world. In one skit titled The Argument Clinic, a character walks into an office to purchase an argument. At first, he is sent to the wrong room, where he's insulted and verbally abused. After being told, oh, I'm sorry, this is abuse. Argument is next door. He walks into the correct room. There he encounters a man who simply disagrees with whatever he says without really putting forth any reasons for his position. The Pythons have another skit where two men are dressed as British soldiers. One seems to be trying to dress the other one down. The other one keeps dancing toward him with two fish and slapping him, mocking him as he does it. And we laugh at these skits, some of us do, and the comedy routines, although they do sometimes step over the line. What is not funny is encountering these kinds of people in real life, especially as we try to navigate life as people who are called to love our neighbors and to share Jesus with them. So far in our study in Proverbs, We've learned what wisdom is, what it is to have wisdom, and how to get wisdom. We have seen the results of both living in wisdom and living in foolishness. Last week, we saw the invitation from wisdom to the simple. She calls them to come eat her bread and drink her wine, to leave their simple ways and walk in the way of insight. Looking ahead to verses 13 to 18, we'll see the contrasting invitation of the woman folly. She is loud and knows nothing, calling the simple to come in and drink stolen water and eat bread in secret. The one who accepts the invitation of wisdom is wise, while the one who accepts follies is described as a scoffer and wicked. In verses 7 to 8, we have a warning against giving correction to someone who is a scoffer. The word can also be translated mocker or scorner. What is a scoffer? Well, a scoffer is not someone who is simple. If that were the case, wisdom would not be calling out to the simple and inviting them to eat at her table and learn from her. A mocker 
is someone who jeers at someone or something, who treats something with contempt or calls out in derision. A mocker can also be an imposter or a deceiver. Scoffer or scorner carry the same basic definition, although a scoffer is also defined as a person who laughs and speaks about a person or an idea in such a way that shows that they think that person or that idea is just stupid or silly. A little while ago, Tim Keller wrote an article in which he speaks of the snarky person. There's a lot of insight in this article. A film critic by the name of David Denby, in his book Snark, apt title, wrote that the public discourse these days has been dominated by a tone that is snide, mocking, nasty, and knowing way of speaking. This is described as snark. Snark is used to not only refute a person's opposing position, but also to destroy their cool, to erase their effectiveness, and to control and dirty the person's image. Of course, we know these days, image is what it's all about. The purpose is not to inform or to be informed, but it's rather to own or cancel the other person. People and their views are treated with disdain and mockery. We see this on the 24-hour news networks, many major newspapers, talk radio, and of course, social media. This snark can even be found in state houses and the halls of Congress. The kind of person who is proficient in snark is the kind of person we're warned about in verses 7 and 8. The scoffer is a person who is arrogant and quite sure that they're always right and don't need any correction. In fact, the very suggestion that they might be wrong is offensive to them. The scoffer is dogmatic and closed-minded unwilling to change because they believe they don't need to. The scoffer shows no respect for those who disagree with them. Instead of refuting the argument, they attack and belittle the person. Now, the scoffer is not the simple person spoken of in Proverbs, but they may be quite an intelligent person whose sharp mind brings them pride and a conviction that they're better and smarter than anybody else. Proverbs 21, 24 tells us that the scoffer is proud and arrogant. The proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. Keller notes that the Hebrew word for pride here means a person who must have things their own way who have a need to control and correct everyone. The scoffer is often an angry person. They may be insecure or bitter. The scoffer also may be an individual who simply doesn't have the humility and peace that comes from the gospel. 
Sometimes a scoffer is someone who feels the need to tear down any claims of truth, claiming that they are simply attempts to gain power. The philosopher Nietzsche spoke of doing philosophy with a hammer. And there's some scoffers who follow that idea. These folks simply mock and deride anyone who is on the platform. Other times a scoffer is an ideologue who ridicules and demonizes anyone who disagrees with them, never admitting to any flaws in their own position. What makes them an ideologue is not their ideas, but the way they attack others. Therefore, they can be anywhere along the spectrum. Even self-professed Christians can call can fall fret, that's hard to say can fall prey to becoming a scoffer. The elite religious leaders of Jesus' day were scoffers as they tried to defend the faith. The Pharisees had no real defense against Jesus' teaching and works, so they resorted to such things as calling him demon-possessed, illegitimate, and just plain out mad. While it is true that we are called to speak out against error and unbelief, we must be careful that we don't do it in a way that attacks, belittles, or slanders others. Some of us have to be careful that sarcasm doesn't become a part of our discourse with others. While there are instances in Scripture where sarcasm was used to great effect, Jesus himself said a couple of sarcastic things. So did the Apostle Paul and some of the prophets. It can be effective in certain cases, but it shouldn't generally be the main way that we interact with others. The Apostle Paul shows us the way that we should interact with others especially unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the first five verses, Paul says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I was resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, not with, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The prevailing way that the orators of that day spoke was to use the force of their personality. They used disdain and verbal bullying. They were eloquent demagogues. The other method was to give them what they want to hear speech, playing on the audience's fears and prejudices. Paul, in contrast, came in weakness and fear with much trembling. The power of the gospel came not through bullying, but through the Spirit of God. These are the people we're told not to correct 
or reprove. If we do, we run the very real risk of being hated, abused, or possibly injured. The scoffer tends to believe in his own correctness so much that he's willing to do anything in order to bring down those who disagree with him. In contrast to the scoffer, we have the wise man in the second half of verse 8. While the scoffer will attack and mock, if we reprove a wise person, that person will love us. Instead of continuing to wallow in ignorance, they will grow wiser. The righteous have eaten the bread and drank the wine of wisdom. They've left their simple ways, and now they walk in the way of insight. They take the instruction given to them, and by it, they grow wiser and increase in learning. As someone who's been involved in teaching others in schools and churches, I can tell you that it is a whole lot easier to teach those who want to learn than to try to instruct those who simply mock and don't care to learn anything. Verses 10 to 12 are directed to encourage us to avoid being like the scoffers. Not only are we to avoid trying to correct and reprove the scoffer, we must make sure that we don't become one of them. It's too easy to forget who we are and slip into the attitudes of those of the world. Social media or other forms of communication can be full of landmines as we seek to convince others. Even if our intentions are good, the temptation to lash out is there. Back at the beginning of this series, we looked at a promise in chapter 1, verse 5, that these Proverbs would bring addition to the wise. Verse 10 in this chapter tells us that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 7 states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom are closely tied together in Proverbs. If we're wise, we will know how little we really know and how deceitful our hearts can be. A wise person accepts correction and instruction as an act of love. They do so because they fear the Lord. The reverence for God acknowledges his sovereignty and his holiness. They are grateful to be in a loving relationship with the Father and recognize that he is the source of all knowledge and wisdom. This theme weaves its way all through Scripture. This reverence for God, this fear of the Lord, adds days and years to our life. Now, this isn't an absolute promise that a person who follows Jesus will live a long life. Christians die young as well as non-Christians. But it means that a life lived in the fear of the Lord will be full and will generally be conducive to a long life. Of course, your mileage may vary. 
Verse 12 finishes off this passage by stating that if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. But if you scoff, you will bear it alone. When I read that, I thought, okay, so I'm going to be wise and just be wise for myself. How does that benefit others? But other translations put it, if you are wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. We take the responsibility and we reap the results. Whichever way we pursue wisdom or folly, we build character. Commentator Derek Kidner says that our character is something you cannot borrow, lend, or escape, for it is you. We live in a world where scoffers are everywhere. And it seems as if the culture around us celebrates those who stand up and make their points by ridiculing the opposition. Intelligent, respectful discourse seems to be an endangered species. Even some, and it seems like it's more every year, who claim to speak for God relish tearing others down with their words. We should take the example of the Apostle Paul, who didn't try to impress others with his speech, but he relied on the power of the gospel. And look what happened in the cities where he preached. Of course, our greatest example is our rabbi and our king, who when he was reviled, did not revile in turn, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Be careful. Watch out for those who are mockers and scoffers, who are the pigs and the dogs that Jesus warned us about in Matthew 7. Pray for them, as we are told to do, that God will break through their hardness and soften their hearts. On the other hand, we need to be careful that we don't become scoffers ourselves. We need to stay humble, knowing that any wisdom we may have is a gift from our Father.